You sing the way you do because you know the value of prayer, even as Jesus teaches. As we look part by part at the Lord's Prayer, I first of all, before each message, want to turn to Luther's Catechism, which, by the way, anytime you're in worship, as well as home, the front of the hymn book has Luther's entire small catechism. I'd like to read the petition and the question, and then together with you speak what Martin Luther wrote by way of explanation. Our Father who art in heaven, what does this mean? With these words, God tenderly invites us to believe that he is our true Father and that we are his true children, so that with all boldness and confidence, we may ask him as dear children, as their dear Father. Let's dwell on these words in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Be seated, please. Jesus had a lot to say. He had a lot to say about many things. He taught us a lot about the Father, and he taught us also about prayer. In his sermon, you heard just a few moments ago some of the things he taught us, important kinds of things in the Sermon on the Mount. It's good for us to hear, to review, and to be refreshed through those kind words of Jesus. I mean, he is the master teacher. He could have taught us in a classroom, but when his disciples asked him, Lord, teach us how to pray, he gave them an example. And the example was a prayer, a prayer that we turn to so very often. And we say, Lord, teach us to pray. The prayer he gave, we call the Lord's Prayer. It came from him. Or sometimes it's referred to as the Our Father, as it starts. Or if you like Latin, the Pater Noster, the same words. And we find in these words a prayer that gives great meaning. Quite frankly, there's been a lot of discussion and sometimes even arguments about what Jesus said in this sense. Did he give us a pattern for prayer, or did he give us a prayer itself? It can go either way, I suppose. The debate has gone from one angle to another. And for me, why choose? Both are valid. Why not embrace both? And that's what we shall do. Why choose just one over the other? And maybe that's why for literally thousands of years, the Lord's Prayer has been incorporated into public worship services. As a matter of fact, every Lutheran worship service liturgically has included this prayer. And by the way, if ever it is omitted, we hear about it. We, but also you feel, all of us feel, there's something missing. There is a loss. But because we say it so often, because we pray it so many times, I guess that's why Martin Luther dubbed the Lord's Prayer as the greatest martyr on earth. That we kill it, or that we can 
a little or a lot. There's a story, and I don't remember the exact particulars, but it was between Luther and another. And they had a bet about who could pray the Lord's Prayer from beginning to end and keep focused on every single word, every petition. One or the other, I forget which started. The goal was whoever did it would get a brand new stallion from the other. And one began to pray. And he focused and he prayed petition by petition. But then he began to think about the stallion. He was soon to win. That's how tough it is, even when we put our minds to it and try as best we can. So it's good to stop. It's good to think about it word by word, phrase by phrase, just exactly what we're going to do over these Wednesdays in Lent, to best avoid as much as we can, praying it mindlessly or sometimes a bit mindlessly out of our head, but not out of our hearts. When Jesus gave this prayer, can you imagine it? Can you imagine of all the things that the Bible and we call God? We call him Almighty. We call him the great I Am after how he revealed himself to Moses and all the children of Israel. The Mighty One, the Lord, the King of the Ages, the Eternal, the Judge. And each one paints a picture. And there's more. You see the posters with all the names. Jesus comes with a prayer and calls him none of those things. He calls him Father. And not only does he call him Father as he prays, he invites us to speak, to pray our hearts to the Almighty King of the entire universe. Imagine that. The one who has created everything. The one who knows everything. The one who is Lord over each and everything through all time. And Jesus says, when you pray, say, our Father. Father, what a great, great word. And there are, to understand this, at least two levels of calling someone Father. And it's clear that God is the Father of every single bit of life on earth, of every single person. He is where life begins. He holds the key of life and he offers it. At that level, God is no doubt Father of every child, of every person, whether wanted or unwanted, God is Father. Whether the person is a believer or an unbeliever, God is Father by his power, no doubt. But there's a deeper level of which God is Father. And that's where Jesus points us to the relationship he has a relationship Jesus had with his father, even to the point of calling him Abba, that is, Dad, Daddy. I mean, anybody in this realm, human being, can be a father. It doesn't take a whole lot. All you need to do is learn biology. And any male can produce with a woman a child 
and he can be a father, but not necessarily a dad. All too often, it's a matter of fathering, but not being a father in relationship. As we are born, we're born out of a relationship with God, just like our parents and our parents' parents and all the way back, the Bible makes it clear that we may have life from an almighty, life-giving father, but not the relationship that he desires, nor we. He desires that we can call him father as dad. Romans chapter 9 says, it is not the natural children who are God's children. The natural by his power. That, at that point, there is no relationship. It's not God's fault either. It's ours. Like the prodigal son of whom we spoke a few days ago, that is us leaving. Even before we can do anything, it is part of our nature on this earth. Yet at the same time, understand that the relationship with God has been given, it has been restored, and it is renewed in Jesus Christ and in him alone. Now think about this. Jesus is God's son. God the Father, God the Son. The Son took on humanity, and so Jesus is our brother. Jesus shares what it means to be a human. Now follow that through. If Jesus is our brother and Jesus is the Son of God, what does that make us? That makes us children of God through Jesus. A relationship so that we can call God in every sense, the fullest sense, we can call him Father. That's why the New Testament writer St. Paul wrote, for you are all sons and daughters of God through faith through faith in Jesus. To pray the Our Father is to pray in a relationship given to us as a gift in holy baptism. By the way, did you know that in the early Christian church, those who were just learning about the faith and had not professed it publicly were not allowed in worship to say the Lord's Prayer? They had not made their confession. And so when it came to that point in the service, they remained silent. And only those in a faith relationship that had been affirmed could and would say that prayer. They longed for the day, those catechumens did, and it came. In Christ, God is Father. Not with a stiff formality, but with the heart. For us Germans, it comes across. If you're not German, maybe you can appreciate it anyway. Abba, lieber Vater. My dear father. What a powerful privilege. A father loves his child. And he tempers his power with that love in a relationship. Father, not brother, not sister, not aunt or uncle, not, not even mother. Although the scriptures do use that word 
to describe some of the more tender nature of God. Father, our Father. There's a special word. Not my Father, not just your Father, but our Father. You see, when we pray this prayer Jesus gave us, we can't pray it alone. We always pray it with someone else. Even if we are by ourselves, like Jesus urges us to, to pray, not in public for a spectacle, although we can pray in public, but not for a spectacle. But even as we say it alone, maybe alone in our home or elsewhere, we're praying it together with all God's children. Here, all over the world, all through time, as people have prayed and are praying, we are connected to them just as we are in a relationship with God, our Father. We are with one another. We're the body of Christ. Remember, we are related so that we don't just say, we can't just say, my Father, but always our Father. That may be hard for American Christians to swallow sometimes. You see, we're such an independent lot. We always point to ourselves, our independence, our freedom. We've got to be careful not to let it rub off into our spiritual life and our relationship, especially in praying. We relate to God with other Christians. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, the Scripture says. And yes, we pray, our Father who art in heaven, the old English word, you know. I remember teaching catechism class and teaching the kids this part of the Lord's Prayer. And as they wrote it from memory, one of the kids wrote, our Father who art in heaven. <laughs> I read it and I chuckled. But then I thought, you know, I, I better clarify this with this young guy. And I did. He had no idea the meaning of what he wrote, just like sometimes we don't think about what we say. But he got it straight. Our Father who is in heaven. Maybe we should just forget the verb and affirm our Father in heaven. Nonetheless, he is high above us, beyond us. He is God. But yet Jesus tells us, as Jesus, the Son of God, was here, our Father is also here present everywhere, even within our hearts as we pray. Just think how great it is to be able to pray and to call God our Father who art in heaven. And not just to call him Father, but to know that he is Father in every sense. Fear not, little flock, Jesus said, it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And he who gives us the kingdom will certainly be close. He'll listen. He will answer, especially as we pray the prayer he gave us. But more, more on that next week. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.